Welcome, welcome everyone to the Simon Dan podcast, the place where science and conspiracy collide. Uh, and a bit of bad news, everyone. Uh, unfortunately, Cats can't make it today because he's poorly. Bless him. Uh, but it's okay. We're gonna we're gonna give him some well wishes. Everyone will keep your fingers crossed and hope he can make it back soon. Uh, but we have got another great guest on, so why don't we just get on with that and uh, and and get them on. So joining us this week, or joining me this week, should I say, is the creator of the Vintage Space YouTube channel, author of two books on the history of spaceflight, and former co-host for the Discovery Channel's online D-News channel, it's Amy Shearer Title. Welcome. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? And thank you for having me. No, thank you. <laughs> thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, so you are a, uh, would you say you're a YouTuber by profession I, or author? I never really author? know how to describe myself. Oh, tough, I it? usually go with, um, uh, it's, I know I have the longest byline. I call myself a spaceflight historian, author, public speaker, and YouTuber, because I feel like none of the things are exclusive. It's all kind of like, I call it an ecosystem of things that have to kind of work together. Yeah. Um, cause you know, freelance life is, to quote Marge Simpson's therapist, a rich tapestry. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I know all too well. Um, but I mean, the, the YouTube channel is doing great, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think it is. I mean, it's, it's really, it's hard, it's hard to gauge. I mean, I, I've had conversations with people about this. The, 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 the thing with the YouTube channel is, you know, it's one of those things that like it outwardly looks like it's going really well. And it is like my numbers are going up and it's great. It's just, it's YouTube is the hardest thing to gauge when you are successful at it because yes what success always feels like a moving target like are you successful when you are able to live purely off youtube revenue are you successful when you're reaching an audience are you successful when it leads into other things so like i think it goes i think it's going quite well and i'm really happy with how the direction i've taken it recently it's just uh you know it's all it's all part of the broader picture for me so it's hard to kind of focus also i'm never satisfied so like if one thing starts going well it's like cool okay we need to push it. Yeah, I'm a bit. I'm a bit like that. I can see where you're coming yeah. from. I mean, the first time I saw you, we'll talk a bit more about it later. The first time I saw you, I was doing some research on uh, on a debunking video about the uh, about the lunar uh, the, the lunar conspiracy, the moon landing conspiracy, yes. and I was l trying to debunk the issue where the conspiracy conspiracy theorist thought that there shouldn't be a flame. Well, there should be a flame that's coming right out from the land when it takes off the moon and you did a brilliant kind of video on that little piece and i included it in my video because it was that good i thought I, I don't need to say it let's just put let's just put a bit of vintage space on and that'll that'll be perfect and everyone was like oh brilliant you put it on brilliant you put it on so i i think it's a, a great channel and, and i mean you're right though it's relative that success isn't it because i've when I first started and I was getting like 10,000 views, I was like, wow, I'm on 10,000 views. Now, if I get 10,000 views, I'll be like, oh, I've only got 10,000 right. views. <laughs> right. It's a, it's amazing how much as you, as you build your brand and grow your channel, what was once really great starts to feel yeah. not so good. And it, and it, it makes sense. I mean, with anything, as you grow, you, you want everything to grow with it. Um, but it's sometimes that doesn't totally work out and you kind of have to adjust and, um, it gets tough, but it's, yeah, I, I, the, the, those debunking videos though, um, those are like the perennial favorites <laughs> yeah. because how many times the trolls come and they're like well if you're so smart what about this and i'm like i have a video on that well what about this i have a video on that it's really fun to just be like here so go you, watch we'll we, we talk a bit more about it later but you do you get quite a few then to come on the channel the the 
conspiracy yeah. theorists. You do. Yeah, oh, okay. it's uh, I mean, you know the rule. You don't read the YouTube comments. Just don't. Um, but I do because I like to get rid of the negativity. Yeah. Um, so it's a mix of like the moon hoax conspiracy theorists who just want to find some flaw in something that I've said. Or it's just, you know, straight up trolls. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's a decent amount. Only once have I ever had to eject someone from a talk for um, harping on about moon landing conspiracy stuff. Oh, okay, that's not bad. That's not, <laughs> I mean, I, I personally, I couldn't, I, I wouldn't, there was enough time in the day to get rid of the negative comments on my channel. It would just take me too long. <laughs> oh, yeah, like the, if you shoot the spam filter, it's about 30,000 in the spam filter at the moment. Yeah. And a majority of those. Oh, are, yeah. Are just, I don't even look at the spam oh, filter. Yeah. I just let those. Um, if I can pass on a little tidbit that a friend passed on to me, if you uh, disallowed the word LOL on your channel, Ooh, yeah. so many people who think they're really funny. Good one. Follow it up with LOL. It got rid of like 60% of the troll comments. I'm going to have to do that. that I tell, I pass that on to everyone because it's one of the best decisions I made. That's a good idea. The other thing I'll do is a lot of them come up with, with names for me. So they're like like variations of my name, like Lie Man Dan or Scam Man Dan. I should put all those in as well, all those different yeah. variations. That's it. Job. Perfect. I'm sorted. Yeah. yeah. I'm it's the worst part about being a YouTuber is when you have to start getting into the headspace of the troll oh, to think like the troll oh to word. stop the troll. Yeah, absolutely. But then you're like, oh, people live in this headspace all the time. I know. It's, 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 let, let's not talk about them anymore for the moment. I know. Anyway. Okay. All so right. <laughs> you, you are arguably you're obsessed with space flight. So where where did all that start? Where did where did that love of it come from? Yeah, I'd say my my passion <laughs> for space. Um, it started in the second grade when I was doing a research project on Venus. Um, oh, okay. Did I say seventh grade or second grade? I was in second, second grade yeah. at seven years old. Sometimes my brain breaks when I'm talking <laughs> out loud. Um, I was doing this this project on Venus, and I thought it was so cool because you know it's it's about the same size as the Earth, but it rotates backwards. Yeah. It's blisteringly hot. It has no moons. It has no life but you can also see it with binoculars in the night sky. And I just thought this is wild. And you know, the more I learned about the planets, it's just nuts that there's this variety in our own backyard yeah. and I can pick it out in the sky, you know, it's so cool. And then I had this book um, for that project called it like thousand one facts about space. I still have that book. Nice. And in it, there's like a little two page spread on, on every planet, you know, on rockets and stuff. And there's one on the moon. And there was a little cartoon of two astronauts standing in front of the lunar module. And I was like, wait, people went to the moon? Why was I not informed? And like, I'm from Canada. So, you know, yeah. you're from the UK. Like when you grow up in a country that did, that didn't do the moon landing, it's not everywhere. Yeah. So I'd never come across this before. And I just, I was fascinated. And it's one of those things that like the more questions you ask and the more you dig, the bigger the answer gets. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of how it just continues to, to astound me. But there's a, there's always something to learn, isn't there? There's always yeah, something that you, that you don't know that you you're like, wow, I didn't know that. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, it probably happens more to me than most, but all the time I'm like, oh, well, I didn't know that. That's fantastic. But it's good because you can add it to the stuff you know, and, and it goes oh, from there. For sure, I always say that my favorite moments are like learning something you didn't even know you wanted to learn about. <laughs> That's a good, yeah, yeah. People and people say that <laughs> yeah. a lot, don't they? they? They're like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that. And that yeah. uh, this that little piece of information is a great reason for me to watch your video today. I've watched tw yeah. I've watched fifteen minutes of it, and that twenty seconds is like made my day. So yeah, yeah, perfect, absolutely yeah. brilliant. So um, so you've written you've written one book already, haven't you? 
and you've got one coming out. Is that sorry? I've there's one two, published. No, two out. There's two. Uh, two out. are out. Yeah, the my, one my is, second book came out earlier this year. That's right, but it's not on paperback yet. Is that what I'm getting? No, the on? paper. The, yeah, the paperback yeah. release is coming uh, February sixteenth, I believe. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I'm I'm funny with that. I don't like hard book 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 hardback <laughs> books for some reason. I don't know why. So I always look for the paperbacks. But the, everyone has their thing with. I books. know. I know. Totally get it. Um, yeah. But the the your most recent one. Uh, which is mm-hmm. called Fighting for Space. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So in that one, you chronicle the lives of two female pilots and their fight for women in the space program. Uh, my running coach would be very proud of me because she she uh, is all for getting women involved in sport and, and running and stuff like that. So where did that idea come from? What was your, what, what was your thinking for that? Well, um, have you heard of the, the story of the Mercury 13? Uh, not specifically, no. Okay, because this is, and this might, this again, I mean, living in the U.S. and kind of writing with a predominantly U.S. audience yeah. might be why it's kind of more prevalent, but it's a story that gets picked up pretty regularly. Like some journalist somewhere will hear about it and get all excited. And the story goes that there are, six, there are 13 women led by this pilot, Jerry Cobb, who took the same qualification tests as the Mercury astronauts in the early 1960s. Therefore, were qualified to fly in space, but were kept out of space because they were women and it was the early 1960s. And I started, I've heard, I'd heard the story and I started reading it, reading about it and reading a couple books about it. And knowing everything I've done about just, you know, early NASA history, totally separate from this issue, a lot of it just didn't line up with what I knew to be reality. Mm. So I started kind of digging in a little bit and the more like the weird thing about the story that really kind of gave me pause was you know that the issue comes to a head with a congressional uh subcommittee hearing in 1962 wherein this one one woman jerry cobb ends up testifying that you know women are qualified for space flight and another woman a very famous aviatrix at the time jackie cochran comes in and testifies that women should not be in space and i'm like this doesn't make sense Mm. because first of all who is this super famous pilot that i've never heard of and why would she come out and say women shouldn't do stuff when she was breaking barriers for women her whole career there's something else at play here so that's what got me wanting to look at jackie's story separately and once i started reading about her i'm like okay i think this issue is actually like far more complex complicated than just sexism yeah. which by the way sexism was not a term in the early 1960s so we can't even talk about it in right. that language <laughs> but um so when i started actually kind of peeling back and looking at the two main women who are involved realized that like it's so much more of a complicated issue and that the story that Jerry told and gets perpetuated is actually very inflated um she did not take the qualification test she took the medical tests which is not the same thing at all um it you know that typical story of like the women being barred just by virtue of their gender takes just completely ignores like nasa's qualifications for astronauts which were very rigorous at the time and didn't deselect women it deselected like 99 percent of the country and then when you start bringing in the personalities of these women and like i really tried to unpack both jackie and jerry it's it's the dual biography of the two of them kind of leading into this issue you start to see what like where they're both coming from and why it was more a personal issue between the two of them that just ended up being played out in the media very much like things get you know trial by twitter as a thing these yeah. days it got picked up by the newspapers and kind of got really blown out of proportion and that's that's why i wanted to write this book to a unpack this really interesting american history that's just happens to be made of women it's mm. you know it's 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 a there's a very strong female element but it's not just like for the sake of 
feminism, um, but also to set the story straight because I am so sick of people getting it wrong. <laughs> right, that's fair enough. <laughs> it's I mean, like, it's one of those things that drive me nuts. And I still, I saw a YouTube video uh, suggested the other day about the, the hidden story of the Mercury 13. And I'm like, it's wrong. Everything yeah. about this, this is wrong. This is why I wrote this book. Yeah. <laughs> and what's the, what's the, what sort of feedback have you got from it so far? So far, it's been very positive. Like very positive. I'm actually really pleased because um, I, I, you know, poured myself completely into this book for four years. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, I think last I checked, I mean, it's got it's got great ratings on Amazon and stuff, and I've I've yeah. never heard anyone. I mean, people probably didn't like it. I, I've definitely had people that are just like, oh, I like this book, except that it's about women. I mean, that's <laughs> obviously a reaction that is going to come. But yeah. um, for the most part, people are just like astounded that they didn't know this history existed at all. Um, yeah, so it's been it's been really positive. And I love I just love when when people are reading it, they're like, I've heard of the story. I didn't know that it was it was really happened like this. And like, it's fun for me. Yeah, so. it's really interesting. I mean, so would you, is it? Fair to say then that that kind of uh, that thing between those two possibly held back spaceflight for women slightly in that time. Is that fair? I think so. So the way it kind of played out um, to to kind of just elaborate a little bit because yeah. it, it needs to be sure, more. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so Jackie Cochran um, was the foremost pilot of the era, uh, male, female, national, international. Um, first woman to fly the, through the sound barrier. She led the Women's Air Force Service pilots in the Second World War. She right. saved LBJ's life one day. She was close friends with Eisenhower. Um, her husband was one of the 10 richest men in America at the time. So she had she had access to a lot of things and the money to kind of get where she wanted to be, but also the talent to do it as a pilot, which was very rare. Yeah. And just by virtue of those two things combined, she was really on the forefront of breaking down a lot of barriers for women, but she also understood how to play the game. Right. She knew that you can't just bombard people. You have to play into the system to get what you want out of the system. Um, and then she, one of her also close friends was Randy Lovelace, who did the medical testing for the Mercury astronauts and also did the testing on this group of women. Okay. So then you have Jerry, who's 25 years younger and did not grow up having to fight as much for her place in aviation because women pilots was more were more regular at the time. Um, so when she just happened to be the right place at the right time to do the medical testing, the media is what picked it up and said, heard the woman, you know, Randy Lovelace announced it as woman takes same medical tests as astronauts and the media took it as there is a woman astronaut yeah, okay. and Jackie's like okay well you're actually going to set women back by going out like this because they're not going to like it and they're probably going to not want you to go because they don't I like see. you yeah. so what we need to do is actually do like a big women's testing program so that when we're ready for women we have all the data and they have no excuse not to launch someone right away yeah. and and Jerry and they're both very self-interested Jerry just wanted to be the first woman in space Jackie, yeah. if she couldn't be the first woman in space, wanted to control it. Right. So I think their their infighting definitely brought more media attention to it. And I do suspect that NASA got so frustrated with it <laughs> yeah. that it wanted to keep women out because they're like, well, we don't want to deal with this. Yeah, I get that. Sorry, I didn't mean to curse. No, that's fine. That's <laughs> we fine. don't need to deal with this stuff. Um, because in, in 1964, when NASA started looking at uh, recruiting scientist astronauts for the later Apollo missions, it did actually have four women on the shortlist. Yeah. And sent that list to the NSF's uh, National Science Foundation. Um, sorry, I forget that it's not a, necessarily a US-based audience, um, but sent it to the National Science Foundation 
Foundation, which sent NASA back the list of the, its top picks. Um, and the women were no longer on the list, but also now there were a whole bunch of the men. It's not like they just took the women off. So sure. uh, don't know much about that selection. It's been hard to find stuff, but yeah. I do wonder if the pain in the ass that Jerry was for NASA actually stopped her from moving forward more than she could have. Yeah. It's, That's it's, the long it's answer. Fascinating. No, it's, it's really <laughs> interesting. It's really interesting to find out about this stuff. But if we, if we fast forward now to the, to the present, I mean, there's women, women astronauts all the time, you know, there's, there's commanders of the ISS and, yeah. um, and, and I, I mean, I I delved a little bit into you know the NASA podcast Houston. We've got a podcast. Have you heard of that one? No. Yeah, it's, I don't it's quite know. good. And uh, there was one, there was one episode where they were talking about the training program, mm-hmm. and uh, there were I I believe on that particular episode there were more women than men in this particular group. Hmm. So I mean, in terms of today, yeah, would you say it's an issue today or? I think it's I think there is still an issue with women in the space program and I think this applies to women in male dominant fields um, yeah. more broadly speaking and I I think it it's I mean I haven't done like in t- in depth the research on this I think anecdotally from speaking to women and doing a little bit of research on it um there's a there's a few reasons I mean it took it took a while for women to have access to the astronaut corps and it really came from um in in the 70s after Apollo going into the shuttle era NASA made a separation between astronauts as pilots and astronauts as mission specialists and the mission specialists just need to be you know the doctors the people who have an expertise but are not physically flying the shuttle um so that opened it up for women so then that first group was the one that had um you know that sally ride and that for the first six women and then when the air force started to allow women to train as fighter pilots that opened it up to women to be pilots you know that's how eileen collins was an air force pilot who ended up as the first female commander so there were there were some structural changes down the chain leading to the astronaut corps that slowly allowed women in but i think the the other part is that you know men grew up in the 60s and the 70s watching or you know they were boys at the time watching men do it and girls didn't necessarily see themselves represented and i can only imagine that that also meant you know your your parents might tell you well you know boys are astronauts girls don't get to be astronauts and then that obviously affects how you go about your career what you study to kind of all that so i think it's been i think there's just been kind of a a slower push for women to take on those roles and I, i mean i think it's still happening um and I, you know, anecdotally from speaking with friends and, and stuff, I know that that's still a thing that women yeah. are told like, well, you're not great at math. So maybe just do art. Oof. It's like, but what if I want to learn the math? Yeah. You don't really, you're not necessarily given that option. So I think there's a few, few reasons, but I mean, what, what I think is astounding is it's like, we're, we're finally discovering like, well, oh my God, women can do this stuff. Yes. Cause women are people, yeah. <laughs> women are just people. Absolutely. This is what, yeah. I always say if, if, People, people can do things. Women are people. Therefore, women can do yeah, things. Yeah. You'd get Ta-da! on. Tell you, you'd get on, you would get on very well with my running coach. I'll tell you. Nice. We yeah. have some great chats. Um, so let's let's look at the future then. So the the future of human spaceflight is looking very bright. What what do you see as being the crucial missions going forward for that? <sighs> I don't know about crucial missions so much as. I think that when I, when I look at spaceflight, it's it's really tough because of the way 
the, you know, NASA is run that like the, the president kind of sets the agency on its path yeah. and a change in administration can <laughs> change that path. Right. We've seen this through throughout history mm. since NASA's inception. I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the new administration in January, because yeah. I think there's there's a lot of good in the SLS and Artemis programs, but there's also a lot of rationale for maybe cutting it back and giving some more of that to SpaceX, which yeah. is, you know, has SLS and Artemis is like, it's still just kind of like potentia over here, yeah. right? SpaceX is literally launching things. So I could see a change coming that kind of once again flips things and kind of like takes some of those missions away, but is potentially setting us up for a better long-term future. So I, I have a really hard time yeah. when we talk about future missions, pinpointing something on the human side at least that i get really excited about because so much of it is so in flux i'm really excited to like go to europa <laughs> uh, i was just really about to say the robotic uh, yeah, stuff so, uh, uh, sorry i was just about to say when i was mm. um studying towards uh towards my degree one of the first or second years there was a, uh, as a i remember it really well there was a line in the textbook saying we're hoping to do hu human spaceflight to the galilean moons by the 2030s and now here we are in 2020, almost 2021, and I can't see that yet being a possibility. Where did you read who was promising human missions to the Galilean moon I know. in the 2030s? I did, think, I did think it was a bit, you know, a bit of yeah. a stretch, but hey, it, but I, it, That's but nuts. it's not... 2021 and there's obviously no talk of it and it's we're not even, we're not even anywhere near Mars yet. <laughs> And I, I feel like what, what people, and this is where I have the delightfully unpopular opinion that Apollo kind of ruined spaceflight because it gave us this unrealistic expectation of what we can do and the yeah. time frame that it takes because yeah. people love, this is what I find just mind boggling is people love to celebrate Apollo as like this incredible human endeavor and all this glory and stuff and just like ignore the fact that it came out of the Cold War and ignore the fact that it was done because Kennedy was assassinated yeah. and ignore all of the, the factors that pushed it forward. And they're like, why aren't we doing this? It's like, because it's really freaking hard. Absolutely. It's and so hard. As a percentage of the, of the budget, they pumped so much money into the Apollo program. Oh, didn't they? I think it was 4% of 4% 4 of the national yeah. budget went what to NASA in 1966. Point, is it point and four now, now it's point one. Point one. Jeez, that's, I think it's point one. That is um, a massive Yeah. Difference. So it's, I yeah. mean, what do you expect? But yeah. it's also like, the other thing is, is, you know, psychologically, I always do this comparison, you know, Kennedy and 61, man, moon, decade are three very easy things. We know what a human is. We know where the moon is because we can see it. And decade is a time frame that we understand. But yeah. human Mars 30 years or so doesn't have that same ring. And you're also like, it's so hard to imagine 30 years in the future it is, yeah. in my own life. I can't imagine trying to plan 30 years in the life of an agency that is governed by the office of the president yeah yeah i think we have this idea that like we just have to go but like we can't just do that i would love to see i would love to just see and this is my unicorns and rainbows view of the future yeah. where like we have an international program that makes it so it cannot be canceled by an administration that is dedicated to setting up a long-term program in space to eventually get there and like i don't care if it happens in 50 years we yeah. need something that is not a crash program that does not become obsolete after that mission is done because that's what apollo was the architecture was unique to that mission and could 
hardly like there were elements that could have been tweaked to go to Mars, to go to Venus. Um, but the lunar module was completely custom built for that mission and yeah. not great. And even like the decisions that made Apollo were were based on time. Like that was not the perfect way to do it. It was just perfect for the time frame. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, I, I could talk all day about uh, uh, you know <laughs> potential missions and things like that. Um, but I've got a minor bone to pick with you. I once heard you say you didn't like the space shuttle program. <laughs> You've got to justify yeah. yourself here because when I was a kid, it was the space shuttle. That was what, you know, yes, yeah, space shuttle, come on. Yeah. Why don't you like it? Come on. <laughs> um, I think for me, the shuttle, um, I've never been a huge shuttle fan. It's not that I don't like it as a program. Like I, it definitely did some good stuff. And yeah. I, I think the development, I, I'm really interested in actually the development of the shuttle because I really love when new technologies are developed that that problem okay. solving is what really gets me, um, which is why I love the early space stuff because it's all problem solving. Um, but I just think the, the shuttle was just kind of like this boondoggle of a program that, you know, it was meant to make space, access to space, regular, routine and cheap. It was supposed to be 50 missions a year. It was supposed to have multiple multiple vehicles flying at once it was supposed to do all this and it was also supposed to go with with a station <laughs> but you know nixon okayed the shuttle to nowhere which makes me think of the escalator to nowhere in the simpsons um nice, yeah it was just this thing and then they had to like retroactively figure out a mission for it. it it was also as big as it was because the dod said if you make it big enough to hold our satellites we'll half foot the bill and then they pulled out of it and everyone's like but it launched hubble like yeah because hubble was a disused dod satellite and hubble could have launched on something else it's not like the, the shuttle was the only thing that could have launched a satellite so like i just think it was you know, and then 30 years of just kind of low earth orbit stuff. Like there's definitely stuff that came from it. I just think there, there, we could have had a better vehicle over those 30 years that would have pushed us forward a little bit more, um, you know, done some of the same stuff, but ultimately helped us gain more knowledge and, and do a little bit more because yeah. it just, it just never realized its potential. Savage. Um, so I think politically I, I'm fascinated by the shuttle because yeah. like, what <laughs> but yeah as missions it's just it's never been my favorite oh uh, you just ruined my childhood right there <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's also like so many people that are you know the the, the shell huggers like grew up grew up with it grew up loving it and like yeah. um i never saw it you know it was it was, mm. it was always kind of like an intellectual thing for me yeah. it was never super immediate in my childhood so i also yeah. don't have that, that close contact yeah. yeah well you still know more <laughs> about it than most people um <laughs> So uh, going back to the uh, yeah, going back to the uh, where, we, where we mentioned your uh, excellent explanation regarding how there was no flame on the Eagle module when it lifted off from the lunar surface. Um, as I said, it was part of a, a, a larger video that I made. Eighteen percent of Americans aged eighteen to thirty-four believe it was faked. How frustrating is that for you? To I mean, it's, it's... do you know what? It's actually higher in the UK. It's twenty-one percent in the UK. Believe, really? Yeah. I, that shocked me that statistic why yeah. that's so weird i know it's also i have to say there's something that feels weird about it that the uk would even care i know because i feel like a lot of americans have the idea of like your government is lying to you they lied about the moon landing like it's a it's a it's a citizen versus government thing like yeah why do why do, why do you guys care so much <laughs> well we look i mean there's a lot of german space lovers here but yeah. i'm sure as you can i'm sure yeah. you know there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of conspiracy theorists here as well and yeah. they love they yeah. love jumping on the bandwagon so yeah that's true that could be why um i think the the moon landing conspiracy theorists like they're they're annoying because they're 
always like they they're they're just that like vocal minority that just loves coming out of the woodwork and just leaving endless comments and like they're just annoying um so they're they're pretty it's pretty annoying to me that i have to continually deal with those people but what annoys me more is is how vocal they are about it and how much they love to try to just like tear me apart personally because they don't oh, yeah. believe in the moon landing yeah. and then how much like as they feed off each other they also then start getting into the anti-vaxxing conspiracy theories and stuff and it's just like this becomes this excuse me this very quickly becomes like you know who knows if it was real to like very damaging stuff that Absolutely. they're throwing out on the internet yeah. and that is potentially dangerous. So like, that's, that's where it really gets me. It's like, how, how deep are you willing to go to tear people apart who are trying to educate people? And like, yeah, why, why do you care so much? Cats <laughs> made a, cats made a really good point in the first episode that he'd never seen a flat earth or a moon landing denial or anything like that. Talk about, uh, viruses being a hoax before COVID. So hmm. no, you never see it. So now they're all flat earthers, anti-space people, all of that. Virus is a hoax. Right. Before that, none of that stuff. Weird. Yeah. That is it's, weird. It's like they love jumping on the like the newest yeah. conspiracy that comes on. That come, huh. that comes I didn't out. know that. That's, yeah. a, that's an interesting one. Because that, that's, again, another one that I feel like it's, it's what's frustrating. And again, like, honestly, it's, it's gotten to a point where I'm like, if you don't want to believe it, fine go live in your little weird bubble but it's like it's it's maddening to me that like you try to have a conversation with these people and they just don't even want to hear it and it's like how do you think a virus is a hoax do you know what the cold is have you had a cold and it's like you try to relate to experience and they're just like yeah but this is from 5g i'm just like i i can't even have That's a conversation with you That's people to try one. to to yeah. try to just like you know, educate to try to like learn together. Like it's it as someone who who is passionate about educating people. Oh my god, <laughs> it like yeah. hurts my brain. <laughs> the, the problem is when they've got fifty thousand subscribers and they're putting these videos out, yeah, and they're getting lo large amounts of views. Yeah. A lot of these people who who aren't well educated don't have a great background for that sort of thing. They'll they'll listen to that and repeat it and and yeah. as gospel. That's yeah. the issue. It's not that it's not mainly the people that are producing these videos. It's the 10 20 30,000 that are watching them yeah that we need to yeah. try, try and kind of catch that's what cats and i try and do yeah. on a weekly basis um yeah that is that is not wrong it's actually i never really thought about it like that that the person who's spreading the information is the problem because the people believe yeah, it exactly mm. yeah um yeah. so we touched on the space shuttle a minute ago did you have you heard of that conspiracy the the challenger oh um that seven of the eight astronauts I've, are still I've alive actually never heard of that it's i've it's, never what what is the it's a really bad theory? one it's shocking actually it's one of the it's one of the worst ones and even to a point where someone's actually gone to one of these people's houses to confront him so the oh, conspiracy goes on. yeah seven of the eight astronauts on the challenger disaster are still alive today that's the conspiracy and what they've done is they found people with the same names or similar <gasps> names who look a little bit <sighs> like these people when they were younger and that's their proof so but i mean it's all oh, no, absolutely it's all easily debunkable you know you can look at these people's histories and say they were here at the time of the disaster they were here one of them is actually onazaka's brother twin brother so it's a horrible conspiracy and this guy he actually went to one of these people's houses says are you and asked him his name if he was the actual person who was supposed to be i think it was the commander of the shuttle and he's like no and he actually went on this old guy went on to say he's been harassed emailed phoned constantly about this 
about this conspiracy. It's 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 one of the more damaging things on on in terms of conspiracies because normally people say, oh yeah, I don't believe the moon moon landing or whatever. That's harmless. Yeah. But when you're starting to actively go after people and asking them questions like this, that's where it's quite damaging. Yeah. I'm surprised you've not heard of that one. I'm yeah. I'm me too. I've I've heard. I mean, the, the conspiracy theories I've heard about Challenger are things like, like, I mean, just all, uh, horrible, but less damaging to individuals, I guess, that like NASA deliberately destroyed that shuttle because like, you know, there's, there's all these yeah. conspiracies that like it was a cover up of something, which is just like, guys, this was on, this was on live television broadcasting yeah, to every exactly. school in America because of the teacher on board. I mean, this is, this is, come on. Um, so that's all I've heard. I had no idea people think. Yeah, it's horrible. They're st- oh, it's gross. a horrible thing. Yeah. And it's, yeah. and it's mainly the, the flat earth and anti-space people that, that, yeah. that, that parade this one out. I mean, I've, I've tackled it a couple of times um, on, on one of my videos, but um, they really are the, the, how do I say the? Uh, I, uh, no, I don't. I won't swear. <laughs> that, that's how I feel. Sorry, about I them. swore. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel. About yeah. Them. Um, um. So there's also a buttload of videos out there about the ISS, like CGI, green screens, augmented reality, yeah. models, swimming pools. People don't believe it's real, and it's one of the most. This one is one of the most frustrating conspiracies for me because you can see it with a telescope yeah. and things like. Is there yeah. anything that we can do to genuinely show these people that they're wrong about the ISS? And is there a silver bullet for this one? I wish. I feel like, I mean, that you can see it with the telescope. I've actually, I've seen it with binoculars. I've seen, but like just as a dot, I've yeah. never been able, I don't know. Can you resolve it? I mean, I, I assume with a good enough telescope, you can actually like, you know, kind of resolve the shape of it. People have taken this some. My, solar panels, yeah. Uh, people have um, taken some excellent photos of it yeah. transiting the moon and the sun. Yeah. And you can I've definitely define those, it. Yeah, I've seen some of those pictures. And I feel like the problem with the pictures is that people will obviously say they're photoshopped. Yep. So I feel like the the best way to to show people who don't believe it's real is to get get that uh get a telescope set up and invite them to look at it. And yeah. they'll still say that it's a little artifact going across the lens or, or something. Or a model. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, or a model that yeah. someone's got like on a piece of fishing wire and just like zzz, yeah. So some people say it's a satellite um, with no people in it. Some people say that. <laughs> I mean, the the problem with with all these conspiracy theorists is that, like, you you can't convince someone of something that they refuse to even entertain as real i think and this is this is the frustration and like this is where like you know if you don't want to believe it that's fine but if you like if you keep bringing it to me like this is just so annoying but it's because you it's you don't have questions and you don't want to learn you're not coming to me like i don't really believe it can you explain this to me can you answer my questions they're coming at it to fight you yeah. and that's where it's like this is like having a conversation. I, I i don't know i don't have kids but i feel like it would be the equivalent of the kid being like but why yeah. but why you know every kid kind of goes through that phase and it's yeah. like part of <laughs> partly curiosity partly because it's annoying and it's like because of this but why like it's they're just that they're yeah. just that but like grown up annoying. with more words they're definitely being annoying yeah yeah um so a lot of it when cats and i uh discussed it we thought we came to the conclusion that a lot of it was because they just they're just not understanding the physics involved which is fine and it's yes. not necessarily yes. their, that's not necessarily their fault that they don't understand the physics but like you say they won't hear they won't the hear. actual physics yeah because they're just so 
Sure. Yeah, because I I have a video on my channel um, that I did about how how a rocket works in a vacuum, and it's basically, yeah. um, you know, there's there's no good way to to simulate it in my apartment where there's air. Um, but what I did was blow up a balloon and let it go, and it's you know the air the force of the air escaping the balloon pushes the plastic forward, yeah. which is a rough analogy for. Um, the expulsion of gas is a controlled yeah. explosion pushing it forward and people are just like this is such this is such bull bleep yeah. that, you know you're, you, there's air in your apartment so obviously yeah. it's pushing against the air and i'm like i don't understand where you think the motor is that is pushing against the air because it's not it's it's the expulsion and people like i've, I've done this explanation i've showed this people i've made it as simple as possible i mean literally i you know that is the experiment that's in children's books to explain rocketry to children yeah. and if they don't want to believe it they're not going to and they're just going to sit there and they're just going to call you all kinds of horrible things to to be right and it's just like you if you you can't win so why fight yeah and it's absolutely. so it's just it's maddening because I want to help educate. I want to teach people. It's so cool. It's frustrating. <laughs> it's the coolest it stuff ever. Yeah. And you just refuse to accept it. Do you know um, James from Action Lab? You know Action Lab, that channel? No. He's no. quite a big channel. He's got about, think, about 4 million subscribers. We had him on last oh, week. Wow. Yeah, we had him on nice. la last week. And he has done a, an experiment with a fly in a vacuum chamber. Um, kind of like seeing if it would fly in the vacuum. It's fascinating stuff. Did, you should check it out. Did, didn't it die? No, it survived. Yeah, you should go and I check it out. I need to go look yeah. that up. That's, uh, that seems... Jay Action Lab uh, on YouTube. He's, he's, he's huh. great. He does awesome experiments and stuff. He, he's done a... We, talk, we talked about it last week. He's done like a... Uh, what it would be like, what gravity would be like on a neutron star. He basically had this massive magnet. Nice. Yeah, so it's really yeah. good stuff like that. Very cool. Anyway, Very it's cool. time to play Guess the Conspiracy. Okay. I've got a jingle. So this is the part of the show where Katz and I, normally Katz is here as well, we try and trick the guest into uh, figuring out which conspiracy is real and which two are not real. And what I mean by I real is... I don't like that this is going to be embarrassing for well, me when I get it wrong. <laughs> hey, right. Week one was Dr. Becky and she got us. She caught us out. She got the right conspiracy. Last okay. week, James from Action Lab, we got him. So it's one all at the moment. Okay. Okay. So Katz has sent me one. Uh, and I've okay. come up with one. And when I say that it's a real conspiracy, I mean it's a real conspiracy that people actually believe, mm -hmm. not that it's actually real. Yes. And the other two are completely fabricated by Katz and I. Okay. So here we go. Number one, the ISS is projected into the sky by a giant projector hidden in the North Pole. That's the first conspiracy. Second one, the moon dust found on the suits of the astronauts of the Apollo missions was created by sanding down bricks because they never went. Number two, we can't see the far side of the moon because it, sorry, number three, we can't see the far side of the moon because it has been turned into a theme park for the elites and a future home for when Earth's atmosphere is intolerable. <laughs> so there we go. There's the three. I mean, I, I, number three sounds fun. It sounds awesome, <laughs> doesn't it? So which um, one is the genuine one that people believe? Okay. And uh, all right. So ISS is the projection. What was the second one? The moon dust found on the suits of the astronauts oh, the of the Apollo okay. missions was created by sanding down bricks. And, okay, I don't think the theme park on the far side of the moon is a real thing. Okay. Um, or a real conspiracy people believe. Um, because I feel like conspiracy theorists love pointing to rockets going up and like, what are they doing? So we would have Fair seen point. all the rockets going up. Um, 
so that one I feel like even the conspiracy theorists would have to admit wouldn't be real. Um, I've never heard the moon dust as as bricks brick dust before, um, and that feels weirdly specific. It does doesn't it? I guess the color of it or something. But um, I've see I've heard the theory. <laughs> this is just I just don't get it that the moon is actually a protection. <laughs> Oh my God, people and their creative oh, no. brains, I guess. Um, so I feel like the because I've heard the projection theory as a thing, I feel like the ISS being a projection would be the one that I most believe. Okay, is that your final um, answer? I don't know, but the moon dust thing, people love... Why would it have to be brick dust? I just feel like I feel like the brick dust is the is the the thing that's throwing me off because like it could just be any normal dirt. Yeah, could be because people love pointing because I've done that video where I talk about the dust contrails of the moon dust and how it's you know it, it's proof that it's in a vacuum and they're like, have you never just been dirt bike riding? And I'm like, did you, did you not read the physics of the paper? Um, anyways, um, so I feel like they would just go with sand. I'm gonna say that people think people do truly think that the ISS is a projection. Okay, I've got to make sure I've got the right button here. Here we go. Hey! I did it. <laughs> well done. I properly underestimated people. Well done. Uh, so, That's yeah, terrible. Cats and I fabricated the other two. You're, I think you're right. We got a little bit too specific there, didn't we, with those ones? Um, the brick, it's the brick dust. Yeah, yeah, we've got to work on that. We've got to work on that. So, it's 2 1 to the guests. Um, right. I'll, I'll tell him as soon as we finish, I'll tell him that we got beat. Um, nice. Maybe maybe we can win our next one. Although well, I doubt it because uh, uh, he's a very clever guy. Uh, anyway, Amy, thank you very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. I could have spoken for another hour at least on, on all things space. It really has been great. Um, so we can find you on YouTube, uh, Vin Vantage, uh, Vintage Space. Yes. And yes. your books are available on Amazon. Can you just remind us of the titles again for the book? Yes. Uh, Breaking the Chains of Gravity is my first. Fighting for Space is the most recent. They are both available on Amazon as ebook, hardcover, and uh, Breaking the Chains is in paperback and also audiobooks. And I narrated Fighting for Space this time. So. Oh, cool. Perfect. So yeah, we'll put the links fun. for them down as well uh, cool. underneath, the, underneath the show. But that's it. We are all done. Uh, cats, get better soon. Uh, next week, we have the wonderful, I can't believe I'm saying this, Jim Al-Khalili on the podcast. So tune in for that. I'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.